Next month, a virtual fundraiser will be held to benefit the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library Foundation. Virtual, obviously, because we remain in a pandemic, but it is still a chance to be able to hear from one of the preeminent Lincoln scholars in the country and hear about a new book he's written detailing what I think is one of the most important issues of our time. And it turns out it's not a new issue. It's been an issue from day one of the Republic, the relationship between presidents and the press. Harold Holzer is a longtime Lincoln historian. He is himself a former newspaper man. He's been involved in political campaigns, uh, brings a, a wealth of experience to this discussion Again, you can be a part of the virtual fundraiser next month. More details on that in a moment. But right now, Harold Holzer joins us live this afternoon. So great to talk to you. Welcome, and thanks for being a part of the program today. Thank you, Jim, for having me. Uh, before we get into the details on the fundraiser, and again, this is coming up next month, and anybody can log on and be a part of it and hear your presentation, uh, I'm really eager to hear about your latest book among dozens of works to your credit. It's called The Presidents Versus the Press, The Endless Battle, between the White House and the media. Uh, and, and certainly from my perspective, it seems like it is a battle that has flared up to um, seemingly unprecedented proportions uh, just in the last several years. Uh, what your book suggests is not only is it not unprecedented, it's not even particularly unique. <laughs> right. Let, let's talk a little bit in some broad terms about the history of presidents and their relationship with the, with the press. Right. So I, I know we are bombarded with uh, the the stories of animosity between President Trump and the media today. I mean, he plays it up, the media plays it up. But as I point out in the book, and as you said in introducing me, this began with George Washington, when journalists who were loyal to the Democratic-Republican Party of Thomas Jefferson started criticizing his policy, assailing his integrity, which was his you know, his great calling card was his honesty and integrity, suggesting he was he had uh, done badly in the Revolutionary War and in the French and Indian War, saying he'd stolen uh, expense account money as president that he wasn't entitled to. I mean, it was brutal. And he got out, didn't run for a third term, in part because, um, uh, because of the attacks. I mean, here's another example. We, many of us worry if... If Donald Trump speaks to Sean Hannity every day, but Andrew Jackson had newspaper men in his cabinet, uh, in his kitchen cabinet as well, as advisors, advising him to use the post office to delay the delivery of anti-Jackson newspapers. So in a sense, everything that's new is old again or vice versa. The old adage is you should never pick fights with people who buy ink by the barrel. That's, but yeah, that's right. not an adage that most presidents seem to have followed. No, and and maybe the good news is that we don't have much ink anymore. It's all online, <laughs> but but absolutely they don't. And my my other um, argument in the book is that the most successful presidential communicators, the ones we remember most vividly, the ones that succeed in a way in getting their message across, are the ones who have kind of been friendly with the press, but also went around them um, and found alternative means to communicate. FDR with radio fireside chats, John Kennedy by holding um, 
televised news conferences that one old-fashioned reporter complained was like watching him make love in Carnegie Hall, and Donald Trump on Twitter. The only difference is among those three is that Donald Trump doesn't <laughs> relate to in a friendly manner with the journalists. He could have it both ways, the way Roosevelt and Kennedy did, but that's obviously not in his playbook. You know, and, and it's really interesting because one of the questions I, I had intended to ask you today was about whether it is ultimately more advantageous to curry favor with the press or to, to clash with them. Uh, it sounds like currying favor works, but you have to combine it with, as you noted, doing that and run around the press and trying to get your message out in a bit more unfiltered way the way right. Trump does. I think that's exactly right. But in another sense, and this is going to like help me back off my singling out Donald Trump, because that's not what the book does, although it, we, I have a long chapter on his many battles with the press that go back to his real estate days uh, when I first knew him here in New York, where I'm speaking from. But um, the other thing is we are kind of back to a very hyper-partisanized press, the way it was in the 19th century, when journalists either attacked based on their party loyalty or praised based on their party loyalty. Lincoln went through that. Jackson went through that. They all did. And then in the 20th century, it became more about headlines and about the White House correspondence and big news and page one news, while the publishers wrote editorials, you know, according to their views. But now in the age of cable news and some talk radio, we're back to a partisan broadcasting and while we can we've always complained about it throughout national history but in a way that's also part of our culture and we're back just in new media we're back to the partisan journalism that abraham lincoln lived through and, and that brings us to uh, the next point obviously in springfield illinois we can't have a discussion like this without talking about abraham lincoln and his relationship with the press of course our, our daily newspaper for years ran on its masthead uh, a lincoln quote that was purported to have said the journal paper was always my friend uh did, did lincoln have that good a relationship with the press or at least with that one press outlet here locally well, let me let me say that in when the age of partisan journalism ended, the Democratic paper and the Republican paper became one paper, right? So right. it's the Journal Register; it's, it's sort of combined. But of course, in the day, Lincoln hung out in the Journal office. He got news of his nomination in his favorite chair in the office. The Journal set his um, his his speeches in type so he could read them more easily. Uh, they set in type his inaugural address that he took with him to Washington to to uh, edit and, and play with along the route. So, yeah, there were intimate relationships, and the journal was a cog in the Republican machine, just like the Register was part of the Democratic machine and criticized Lincoln throughout throughout his life. So that has changed um, um, in terms of newspaper coverage. And, but Lincoln not only loved the journal and vice versa, uh, Lincoln owned his own Springfield newspaper, he, was, he bought the printing presses for a German-language newspaper in 1859, and he told the editor, who was in hock up to his ears, that if he remained loyal to the Republican platform, he could recover the printing press and all the type and the ownership of the newspaper, and that's what the guy did. For a year, he was supportive of Lincoln in German. Lincoln didn't even read German, but he was assured by those who did that the guy was staying straight for Lincoln. And after it was all over and Lincoln was elected, he named the editor to a diplomatic post in Europe. So there was something good. You know, if you if you were loyal to the guy who won, 
you made out pretty well in those days. We're talking with Harold Holzer, Lincoln historian and author of this book about presidents versus the press, the endless battle between the White House and the media. He'll be part of a virtual fundraiser next month for the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library Foundation. And without giving away too much of your uh, presentation next month, uh, and with the the spoiler alert caveat here, I'd be curious to hear your insights on, on who you think really did the best job of cultivating the media to his wishes and his agenda, whether through uh, favorable treatment and, and using the carrot or, or those who used the stick? Who was really the, the best at it? Well, Lincoln was great at it, for, for absolutely. He used the carrot uh, in terms of federal jobs, printing contracts, and just philosophical loyalty. He used the stick like no one else. During the Civil War, nearly 300 newspapers were shut down by the Lincoln administration for criticizing um, enlistment or, or, the, or the military draft. Um, but I think the all-time champion is probably Franklin Roosevelt, maybe because he served the longest, maybe because he served on the cusp of so many new technologies. So he was pals with many newspaper men, gave them great stories, invited them to dinner, let him use the White House swimming pool, which, by the way, a New York newspaper raised money to build so he could have therapy. He also went around them, as I noted, with fireside chats that were incredibly effective. When you consider there were only 28 of them in 12 years, people thought they were hearing him every week, like Jack Benny or uh, Fibber McGee and Molly. He was part of the radio culture. He also did newsreels, which, which were tremendously impactful. But the final thing that makes Roosevelt the all-time champion, I think, is that the press also protected him from revelations about the full extent of his physical disability. There was a gentleman's agreement among photographers never to take a picture of him in his wheelchair or being hauled in and out of cars, which he was unable to do on his own. And that is an astonishing thing. That is something we will never see again, but certainly was part of the culture in, in, in 1932. Give the guy a chance. Don't tell the whole world about his physical disability. Although you saw even some of that with Jack Kennedy, who we know had Absolutely. his own physical ailments, and the press did stay largely silent on it. Was it Watergate that kind of broke the dam on yes. that and tell, told reporters, that's it, we're not keeping anybody's secrets anymore? Yes, and, and who paid the biggest price, I think, was probably Bill Clinton for mm. for living a life that maybe John Kennedy lived and thinking he could still do that in you know, 20 years after Watergate. Yes, after the press brought down a president, um, a president who had fought with the press for his entire political career, who, uh, you know, tried to keep the journalists from publishing the Pentagon Papers, who kept an enemies list that was, you know, running over with the names of famous broadcast and print journalists. Absolutely, no, no president was ever going to escape their total scrutiny and merciless scrutiny again. And you see it on uh, with, with President Trump, you know, whatever we think of him and his policies, um, his health is subject to discussion, his finances are subject to discussion, his marriage, his relationship with his children, it's all fodder for the media, and it goes on constantly, probably, to the disadvantage of the general public, I think, a little more 
focus on policy and a little less on personality would not be a terrible thing. Undoubtedly, at the same time and at the risk of, of sounding overly dramatic, as a member of the media, I've I found it worrisome the attacks on the press as, quote, the enemy of the people and fomenting a, a real distrust even beyond what the media often deserves in, in terms of public distrust, because it, it seems like it, it's really critical to the health of, of our democracy uh, to have a free and adversarial press in which the public can have faith. Uh, do, do you share those same concerns that the, the president's attacks on the press uh, may ultimately be, be damaging foundationally uh, to, to what the nation's built upon? I absolutely do, and I say so in the book. And although other presidents, including uh, uh, Washington and Jefferson and Teddy Roosevelt, almost to the letter, have used the term fake news, uh, enemies of the people is... Um, a bridge too far, a step too far. It it's reminiscent of what Goebbels said about people in 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 Nazi Germany. What Stalin said about his enemies in in Soviet Russia. It's and but all of the pillars of the republic are are losing in the faith meter that uh, that according to surveys, the courts, the press, law enforcement, the presidency itself, Congress. We're at a moment when all of the pillars that that hold up our our you know, body politic are in are in terrible danger of being distrusted and disliked by by more American people more Americans than than respect and like them. I think we have to go back to Jefferson, who said that the press is the the toxin of liberty, the alarm bell that keeps us from despotism. And even though Jefferson did everything he could to strangle opposition press uh, and stop reading newspapers except for advertisements as an old man, he did understand that a free press was essential. The book is called The Presidents Versus the Press, The Endless Battle Between the White House and the Media. Harold Holzer, the author. And where can people find the book? Uh, available now in all the, the usual outlets? Yeah, I mean, the question is, what are usual outlets and who's going to them? But certainly Amazon and Barnes & Noble have the book, um, and um, I think the Abraham Lincoln Bookshop, my favorite bookshop in Chicago, Illinois, dedicated to Mr. Lincoln, is... Uh, is always my bookstore of choice when it comes to books that include Abraham Lincoln. I'm assuming it would also be available in the gift shop at the Presidential Museum here in Springfield. Do you know if that is the case or not? Or I, I don't, but I sure hope so, because I've seen my other books there. And, of course, I, I did much of the research on the Lincoln section, particularly on Lincoln's pre-presidential relationship with the press, at, the, at that great institution and in its you know unparalleled files. So I hope so. It's certainly going to be there um, at our virtual fundraiser on October 13th. I know that. You can obtain a copy of it with your purchase of a ticket. There are several levels of ticket purchase for this virtual fundraiser coming up on Tuesday, October 13th. It begins at 6 p.m. and you can learn more and purchase your tickets online. ALPLM.org. Click on events to get more information or you can phone 217 557 5589. Harold Holzer will be the featured speaker at this virtual fundraiser again on October 13th. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. A pleasure to talk to you this afternoon. We do appreciate it. Jim, it's been great. Thank you for the opportunity.